Bristol-Myers Squibb BMY is the pharmaceutical drug company that makes an awful lot of jack, and their stock is down 30% this year. It's the cheapest I've seen it in a decade. I'm going to show you why I think it's a trifecta. Ready? Let's get to work. Welcome to Rational Investing. My name is Cameron Stewart, CFA. Thank you very much for watching the program, all the comments and subscribers. I greatly appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button if you like the content. I said at the outset that I think uh, Bristol-Myers Squibb is a trifecta. What do I mean? That's a company that's growing its earnings, buying back shares, and you can get a market multiple expansion. That is the trifecta that you need to have your stock returns go like this. Check out my video, Domino's versus Google. Both those companies IPO'd about 15 years ago on the same year, but Domino's Pizza has outperformed Google uh, as a return on investment. Why? Because they uh, went public cheaply, they bought back shares, they grew their earnings, and they outperformed by, by 5,000%. Google, on their hand, has done well at 3,000%, uh, but it IPO'd at a pricey multiple, and it's still a pricey multiple. Uh, never bought back any shares and does not pay a dividend. But let's dive into Bristol-Myers Squibb. So behind me, Bristol-Myers Squibb, I have their, their most recent queue. We're going to take a look at this. We're going to go through the one-pager, and we're going to take a look and see what we think that we can make on this business. Now, before we begin, I want to remind everybody, one, pharmaceutical companies, do your diligence. I'm no pharma expert. I'm just looking at cash flow. Well, I think it's interesting, but definitely dive into the drug portfolio. It's a big one, and I apologize if I butcher their, um, their, their medical name and terminology for these pills. It's, it's hard to do. I gi I'll give it my best. Before we kick off, let's review the five key attributes that we use in this channel to begin our due diligence on a company. Number one, top line revenue growth. You've got to have it. Number two, earnings growth. EBITDA needs to be growing. Number three, strong free cash. Number four, low debt. Number five, a well-priced stock. A well-priced stock is a stock that we think is going to beat the stock market. Let's go. Let's do it. Quarterly results, Q3, October 2023. Let's dive right into it. There's a lot of information in this cute quarterly report. Definitely go through it. Uh, it's really nuanced. I don't want to take the time to run through all the technical aspects. Now, what I wanted to jump to is the uh, is the outlook for the business. So they are reaffirming low to mid single digit revenue growth for 2025. That's 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 really important. And they've got adjusted, but the the revenue um, for new products about 10 billion dollars. Operating margins targets greater than 37 percent. So you want to see these things. They're in line. They're growing despite the stock has fallen 35% year to date. Uh, there's some questions on the, um, the generic for one of their drugs we'll get to in a second, but they're still focused on growth. They have a strong growth pipeline. It's about how much, what the price you pay for this business um, might be worth the, the wading through the drug portfolio. Let's, let's take a look at the one-pager. Okay, so here we are diving into the Cash Flow Club one-pager. David's put together a phenomenal analysis of Bristol-Myers Squibb. If you are not a member of the Cash Flow Club, highly recommend you check out my website, cashflowinvestingpro.com, or sign up for the free one-pager in the description below. One-pager looks like this. It is a one-page summary of the stock. I also teach a course if you like doing your own analysis or want to be a financial analyst, I highly recommend you take this course. It is a basic training on how to build your own financial models and how to be an analyst. You should be building models for every single stock that you own. It's going to limit your, your number of stocks that you own to focus on your best ideas. It's going to help you get where you want to go. Check out the course at my website. All right, let's dive right into the Cash Flow Club here. So Dave has done a great job 
running down the numbers on uh, Bristol Myers Squibb. Let's figure out what this business looks like. So first and foremost, it's the fifth largest biopharmaceutical company in the world. Their products are mainly hematology, oncology, cardiovascular, immunology is pretty much where they make bulk of the bulk of their money. And it's really a handful of drugs that uh, is, a, is a lion's share of their, of their revenue. Here's a cool stat from Wikipedia, just pulling up all the biopharmaceutical companies by revenue globally. You can see Bristol-Myers Squibb right here is one of the top. Uh, Pfizer, J&J &J is kind of the top dogs. Merck, AbbVie, another stock that we like here. Uh, AbbVie, and, uh, and it kind of rounds out the global. The green is growing revenue year over year. Red is declining. You can see Bristol-Myers Squibb had the last couple years, revenues come down a little bit after a really strong period of growth. And this drop in revenue after the growth has caused the market multiple to tank and the stock to price to tank. And that's why I think it's a very interesting opportunity given their pipeline. So what do they do? Well, uh, in terms of total revenue, this business generates total revenue, $46 billion in, uh, in revenue for last fiscal year ending December 30th, 31st, 46. That was... Uh, down slightly 46, again, I'll call it flat. We're talking decimals here. So 46 billion in 2021, 42 billion in 2020. So it's actually up from 2020, but flat year over year. The uh, biggest customers on the largest pharmaceutical wholesalers, basically a third, a third, a third for their distribution network. And then where do they get their revenue? Primarily, here's their product line. So Eliquis, and again, I apologize if I absolutely butcher these names. Go with me. Um, Obdivo, Obdivo, I don't know. And, and, uh, and this last one down here, Revlimid, is, are the top three um, drugs. And this uh, Revlimid and the Optim, Op, Optivo, oh, man, I'm butchering that, I'm sorry. Uh, those three are the oncology drugs. And the, la the first one here, this Revlimid, has a generic that came out um, recently. And I think that's why uh, people are pulling back from the stock. They think the revenue for that, that, that line, which is $10 billion out of the $46 billion in total revenue, is going to decline. And you can see it year over year. It was $12 billion. It was 12.8 last year, and it dropped to $10 billion last. So it was a $2 billion hit when the generic came out. But in terms of total revenue, they were able to kind of hold total revenue flat despite the $2 billion drop from this particular drug because the rest of their portfolio had growth. Uh, all these other drugs, there's probably 20 drugs here, all that make up various percentage of the total. They've been able to squeak growth out of those to offset what is the generic, um, which is the normal course of business in the pharma business. So I, I think the market might be a little head on itself uh, by, by abandoning ship here. Well, let's take a look and see what else, what else we have. All right, so I think the best way to summarize what's going on with the revenue is you saw year over year it, it was flat, uh, is this is a quarterly, it's a 10-year look at quarterly revenues. And you can see the quarterly revenues were growing slightly here from 20, this is 40 quarters ago to only 16 quarters ago. That's a weird way of looking at it, but that's basically 2013 to 2019. Uh, revenue grew quarterly 4 billion to 5.7 billion. So still added 1.5 billion quarterly on revenue during that time frame. And then it jumps. It jumps up plus 10 billion dollars. Now that growth came from 
the uh, Celgen acquisition where they got a number of oncology drugs, on, on, in, including the top two that I just referenced er, earlier, the Rev Limited and the Optvo. Both those came with this acquisition and they've been able to grow and that spiked revenue. And then Revlin has kind of like petered off a little bit as, as the generics have, have taken into its market share and that's pulling back revenue slightly. But it hasn't collapsed and the rest of the portfolio is growing. So I think they might be able to defend this position. So then the question is how much would you pay for this business? And it's got a little bit of a, of a, of a, of a gamble on, the, on the, uh, the revenue front. But if they're able to hold where they are, they're gonna be cheap. If they can turn it around, grow, then it's a steal. But let's keep going. Why did I say the pharmaceutical business makes huge margins at the outset of this video? You can see it right here. So here's revenue annually that I showed you earlier. You saw the giant spike when they made the acquisition with the new drugs. The, uh, the green is the adjusted uh, free cash flow margin. So they're making 30, 40, 30% on there. And then the normalized EBITDA is the red. So they're doing a 44% EBITDA margin. That's like Facebook territory. That's so huge. But that's why they make so much jack. They're, they're netting free cash flow of about 25 to 30 billion 30% of revenue, which is absolutely amazing. This might come back down to normalize a little bit. And I think that's what's causing the market to, to shed the value of the stock. So what are they doing with all the cash that they're generating? Well, they're buying back a ton of shares. Look at the orange. So the blue is the, is the dividends that they pay out. Those grew nicely, right? That's about a 3% dividend that they're paying out. But then look at the stock buyback. Look at the orange. The stock is what they're using their free cash flow to buy an absolute monster amount of shares back. And that's producing a yield of about 8% yield when you add in the share buyback and the dividend. I think that's powerful for long term if they can keep that kind of buying up. So finally coming to a valuation related slide, how much, what multiple are you paying for these cash flows? This is why I think it's very interesting. The business long-term revenue has been growing, long-term earnings have been growing, but look at the price they're willing to pay for these earnings. The market multiple has continued to fall down to single-digit territory for one of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world. That is staggering to me for a company that's got, yeah, the, the margins are down. They're not 40% they're not anymore. The free cash flow isn't, isn't 35%, it's 24%. Okay, but... Does that deserve a single digit market multiple? I don't think so. This stock is currently trading for 8.8 .8 times or $160 billion of value. Here's the enterprise value, 150 billion. So you're buying this thing, I think at a very low point in its cyclical period. And it has traded a whole lot higher than that historically. Let's go dive through the one pager and go look at cash flow. Let's take a look at the cash flow one pager here. So I've got it in my hand. I've got it up on the screen behind you. It's going to show you 10 years of data. We looked at a little bit of data already, but I want to get a feel for how this business is performing over the long term. Now, long term, revenue has gone in 2013. It was $16 billion. It has moved to $46 billion out 10 years ago. That's amazing growth. That's about a 12% annual growth rate over that period of time. Uh, earnings have grown from $4 billion to $20 billion in earnings. That is a 19% uh, average growth rate over that 10-year period of time. And you can see the move here in 2019, 2020, when they made the acquisition, they got into the oncology space with those two primary drugs, and revenue went from eight billion to excuse me, earnings went from eight billion to thirteen billion. That's a monster move. It then went from thirteen to twenty. So it's really shot up, um, and I think 
that they continue to generate that kind of cash flow. It might come down a little bit, but I'm not saying it's going to go back to what it once was. I don't, I don't believe that. Uh, debt has moved up as well. They did fuel that acquisition with debt. So debt's gone from $8 billion to $40 billion, grown in line with earnings as they leveraged themselves up to buy the business. Um, and market cap, market cap is uh, here $86 billion to $163 billion. You add the debt plus the, plus the market cap, you get enterprise value, less this excess cash. Uh, and you've got about a $200 billion value at the end of the fiscal year. Like I said recently, it's pulled back. It's $160 billion. So you're trading at a, uh, you, you get a discount on the valuation of about $40 billion of market cap has been removed for a business. And once it, it was trading at the end of the fiscal year 10 times, it's now 8.8. Well, if you look at this, 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 this trading history of enterprise value to EBITDA, it has not been that cheap in over a decade. That was my comment early at the outset. That I think it's the stock is the cheapest it's been in 10 years. And I think it's a trifecta opportunity because it's growing earnings, buying back shares. And if, you, if, if they can stabilize the revenue, you'll get a market multiple expansion. And that has how you really win. Debt ratio to me, it's two times ratio, which is totally reasonable. They were as high as six when they made that acquisition. And they, with fiscal prudence, dutifully bought them that debt. And that debt has come down from $47 billion or $51 billion at the peak to $40 billion in the last couple of years. It takes hard, free cash to buy down debt. They've done a good job. Uh, so they've brought that coverage ratio back down. Let's take a look at cash flow. So adjusted free cash flow has grown from $3.3 billion to $12.6 billion. That's a 16% annual growth rate, which is in line with like the 13% of EBITDA, growing the same direction. Good job, accounting team. CapEx, it takes very little money in terms of physical uh, property that they have to build to, uh, to, go, uh, to grow cash flow. Most of their, most of their um, expenses are in salaries and, and R&D, which is in the P&L. So you get $12.6 billion of free cash, less only $1 billion of CapEx. A lot of free cash flow goes to the end. And we're saying that, well, plus they made these debt payments. So it's about $6 billion of free cash flow uh, after debt payment that's available to them. On a uh, on a share basis, they had, uh, well, they made an acquisition to use share. So I'll pick up after the acquisition, the 2.25 billion shares outstanding. And then from there, 2.245 and 2.15, 2.146 billion shares uh, uh, that they were seeing. So they are buying back shares. They don't have a 10 year record because they made a big acquisition that used debt and shares. But after that, that, after that acquisition, they had the financial discipline to buy down the debt. They've bought down $10 billion of debt, and they've been buying back shares on top of that from 2.258 billion shares to 2.14. So about 100 million shares they have pulled down over the two-year period of time, which is great. As a result, they've got a free cash flow yield, about 6.5% average free cash flow yield. Let's forecast this stock and see, and see what we get. So on an EBITDA forecast, I'm going to be conservative. We've got a conservative forecast of down the year in the profitability, just shy of $18 billion EBITDA. Remind you, they were at $20 billion last year. So we're saying, okay, we're going to pull back EBITDA to be conservative. And then they're going to do 3% average. I don't know what's going to go on, but 3% they could possibly do. Now, they grew 19% historically, again, because of an acquisition. 
So we can't assume acquisition going forward, but we know inflation, we know if you have a pipeline. So we're gonna say, ah, I guess, finger in there, 3%. That's what you're putting your money on, that they're gonna be able to grow 3% over long term with a long-term target of $23 billion. They just printed 20.1. So really you're saying in 10 years, all they have to do is do another 200 million of, of earnings to get, excuse me, another $3 billion of earnings to get 23 billion in total EBITDA for the year 2032, 10 years now. If they can grow to $23 billion in 10 years, and you apply a nine times market multiple, which again, this, this stock is traded as high as uh, 20 times, 19 times for most of this past decade. We're saying you need a 9x market multiple here. It's a $70 price target. This means an $80 price target out long term for this stock. On a very conservative market multiple, if, if you move that market multiple back to historical numbers, uh, let's do some quick mental math here. If you took the 2030, uh, EBITDA target, $23 billion. I'll just put $23 billion on a calculator. And I took the average market multiple that they have in the one pager, average. That is here, 18.4 times 18.4. That is a $400 billion enterprise value. You then subtract 40, subtract 40 billion of debt, 4820 gives me uh, plus some cash. Don't worry about that. That's so small. Gives me a $382 billion market cap. Divide by shares outstanding. Divide by 2,146 shares. I get a price target of 700, uh, excuse me, $178 if you take this market multiple to average of 18. So that's the that's the that's the market multiple expansion you get. If the market says, hey, these guys have a pipeline of drugs, the generic isn't that big of a deal, and this market multiple expands back to the average, you, this price is not $80, it's $178. Let's look at cash flow itself. So cash flow, they, they produce about $4.17 for some free cash flow. Bring that down out 10 years, $5.44. Uh, dollars of cash flow at a 7% yield, you get a $77 price target out 10 years. Now, if I, I consolidate these two and I put them together, you get a forecast where I can buy the stock right now for 56 bucks a share. Again, that's a $160 billion value, 8.8 times market multiple, uh, very decent for this kind of stock. It's free cash flow yield is about 9% right now. So you're gonna make 9% of the money. You're gonna sell it at $78 out in the future, not the 170 bucks it could be if market multiple expanded. And you got 12.4% IRR. That's a market beating return on a stock with the market multiple that's relatively low. So that's why I think this is a very interesting stock. Let's review the five key attributes. Number one, top line revenue growth. Yes, check the box. Number two, earnings, EBITDA, it's gonna grow, check the box. Number three, strong free cash flow. Number four, low debt, check both those boxes. And number five, well-priced, absolutely I think it's well-priced. It's estimated with a low market multiple and very reasonable long-term growth to beat the stock market. It's going to get a good on my, uh, my book. I recommend you do further due diligence. There's a massive pipeline of drugs that's very complex with patent um, issues and timeline. Take a look at that, but keep this on your radar. If you're interested in the drug business, take a look and let me know what you think down below. Throw me your comments. How am I wrong? How am I right? What do you think? 
this is a very interesting company with a, um, a sizable upside, especially, especially if that market multiple does not stay at 8.8 .8 or 9, but goes up to 13, 14, 12. Uh, that's going to be big upside for this company. So let me know what you think. My name is Cameron Stewart. This has been Rational Investing. This is Bristol Myers Squibb, the global biopharmaceutical company. Um, check out my website. Sign up for the email list, by the way. I do send out very interesting full detail reports. We just sent out one on British tobacco. Uh, I give out interesting market studies that I think are uh, interesting to email. You can find the link down below. Get a free one pager. And join the Cash Flow Club. I'm happy to give you more uh, stocks. If you're interested in becoming an analyst, you can email me in the link below or you can take my investment course, uh, which is on my website. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye-bye.